0: In 2014, my husband Keith and I were introduced to a new way of handling our finances. If any of you have spent more than five minutes with either of us, you know that I am talking about Dave Ramsey's Financial Peace University. We spent the past four years gaining complete control of our money. We can't always control how much comes in, but we have mastered the art of telling our money where to go and making the most of every dollar we have.
1: mastered might be a strong word. As a free spirit saver by nature, I am still continuing to refine my mastery, but regardless, it has already proven to provide us with amazing results. We have been married just over a year when we started learning about Dave's plan, and at the same time, we were growing deeper in our faith through our house church here at New Hope. For the first time in both of our lives, we were diving deep into Scripture.
0: Kendall Ludwig had us learning everything about Samuel. And Amy Miller and Jen Hobson taught us how to pray bold prayers. Another family in our group showed us that paying off a home mortgage was truly a possibility. We would speak frequently with Pastor Joe about both our faith journey and our financial journey. And finally, we realized Dave's plan is the same as God's plan. We knew Dave's plan was rooted in biblical principles. But it wasn't until we started studying scripture that we could really see God's hope for our finances.
1: We have learned many financial techniques and money management skills during the past few years, but there are four key principles that we can't stop talking about and sharing with our friends because they have made a tremendous difference in our life. First and absolutely foremost, our money is not our own. We are merely stewards of God's money that He has provided for us. Once we accepted that the money that we get from our paychecks is actually from God and that he is trusting us to use it the right way to grow his kingdom, everything changed. The next three principles are what we are going to dive into today, avoiding debt, budgeting, and tithing.
0: A few months ago, I was commuting to work listening to a sermon on the radio. Honestly, I was only half listening as I was still waiting for my coffee to wake me up for the day but I know the sermon was generally about using your gifts to find a way to take action to help God's people. It was mostly a blur of words until some point around the exit on 83 for Belfast Road. The pastor challenged the listeners to find an area of need in the world where you could help by asking, what societal problem breaks your heart? And with the enthusiasm of six cups of coffee, I screamed out loud, Consumer debt. (laughs) Proverbs 22.7 says, the rich rule over the poor and the borrower is slave to the lender. Keith and I do not take this piece of wisdom lightly. We spent three years attacking our consumer debt and have never felt more at peace. I know that we have a good God that wants all his people to feel this incredible feeling. He spent all that time dragging our ancestors out of slavery in Egypt and he doesn't want us to be slaves ever again but that's truly what we are when we owe money to any person or institution. We are enslaved to them.
1: But debt doesn't only enslave us. It provides an incredible emotional burden. Feeling overwhelmed by debt increases stress thereby diminishing our health and is a big source of conflict between spouses. For us Attacking our our consumer debt actually brought us closer together as husband and wife. Striving to become debt-free and live the way God intended unified us and gave us something to work on as a team, besides raising the kids, of course.
0: And we had a lot of consumer debt to tackle. Just two months before we started Financial Peace University, we bought a brand-new SUV because we needed it.
1: One of the first things financial peace teaches is not to buy a brand new car. Boy, did we feel like we were starting off on the wrong foot.
0: We had about seventy thousand dollars of consumer debt which is everything but our mortgage. We had multiple credit cards, two car loans, a motorcycle loan, a rental property, and a financed four-wheeler. Seeing all of our debt laid out was overwhelming. We thought we were making all these good adult decisions, but it turns out all we did was indebt ourselves to various banks. We knew we had to escape this financial slavery. Dave's plan taught us to implement the debt snowball. This is where we lined up our debts from smallest to largest and systematically paid them off in that order as fast as we possibly could. For the most part we treated the debt snowball like a game and we were so excited and intense every time we made a big payment on our debt. However there were points along the way where we had to make some pretty serious decisions. One of the more challenging decisions was what to do about a rental property.
1: It was a house that I had owned previous to our relationship. It was an inexpensive property and was currently being rented but there were still payments to be made and the current tenant was expected to move soon. While we dreamed and continue to dream of owning rental properties, everything God was showing us at that time told us this wasn't the right time and we sold the property to further accelerate our total debt payoff.
0: We have had many people tell us that living without consumer debt is impossible in our modern world.
1: You need to have a car loan in order to have a safe and reliable car.
0: It's a waste not to earn miles and points on credit cards. We've We've heard heard it it all.
1: (laughs) But we have learned that if we focus on managing God's resources, we can eliminate debt and ultimately build wealth. Then we can teach our children how to manage the wealth we pass on to them, thereby breaking the cycle of needing debt to live in today's world. The easiest, hardest And most important way to manage God's resources is to create and live on a budget.
0: Don't think about a budget as limiting what you spend. Think of it more as telling your money where to go.
1: Rather than trying to figure out where it went after it's all gone.
0: Exactly. It's the craziest thing, but as soon as you start tracking expenses and putting together a budget every month, it's like more money magically appears. But it's not magic, it's just self-procured wisdom. Proverbs 24, 3-4 says, By wisdom a house is built, and through understanding it is established. Through knowledge its rooms are filled with rare and beautiful treasures. Building your wealth and financial security is like building a house. You need to have an understanding of what it's going to look like in the end and embrace the skills it takes to design and construct. Luckily, we live in an age where you don't actually need the skills, just a smartphone or a computer. There are plenty of apps that can help you create a budget and stick to it, such as EveryDollar. Keith and I are old school, and we use an Excel spreadsheet. When you live in the woods like we do, you can't rely on internet-based apps.
1: Emily and I spend a good amount of time working on our budget, tracking actual expenses, and monitoring financial goals. We don't obsess over it most of the time, but we do set aside time to focus on it. Over the the years, I've been amazed at what it's done for our money and our marriage. First, we set budget committee meetings. We conducted these weekly at first, but moved to monthly as we started to get a, a hang of things. These meetings are designated time to talk about things that matter to our family. It always starts as a financial conversation where we ask, where should our money be going this month? But without fail, it turns into a faith conversation, and we ask the better question, where does God need us to spend our money this month? Budget committee meetings were exceptionally helpful this year while I was deployed with the Army. They gave Emily and I a forum to take time to understand and handle the additional resources we had from the deployment. We believe these meetings are the number one reason we do not have money fights. The other thing that frequently happens when we talk about our budget is our dreams get bigger. When we first started, we dreamed of a business idea we would start when we were debt-free. It seemed like light years away at the time, but as we worked our budget every month, and leveraged our understanding of our resources we felt like this dream might actually be a reality. We have learned that dreaming is so much more fun when you actually have a plan that might one day get you there.
0: Having all the information laid out helps us with decisions beyond spending money too. Some large decisions we recently faced such as a job opportunity for Keith became easier decisions to make based on the solid understanding we had of our finances. We could quickly add the proposed changes to our budget and see what it would do for our monthly and annual income and expenses.
1: More money isn't always better, as it comes at a cost of something else. Seeing the both immediate and long-term impacts in our finances help to weigh the various costs.
0: I think my favorite thing about our written budget is that it makes spending decisions easy. I love knowing where all of our income is going and how it will help contribute to the wealth-building goals of our family, as well as help God's kingdom. The mechanics of the budget are very important. The first expense lion item in our budget is tithing.
1: Proverbs 3.9 says, Honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of your crops. Then your barns will be filled to overflowing, and your vats will brim over with new wine. In a day when most of us are not producing crops, what does this mean? First fruits means making this the first line item in your budget, the first check you write from your pay.
0: We've had so many discussions over the years over how much to tithe. Is it okay to give less than a tenth? Does scripture mean a tenth on our gross income or our net? We tithe based on net because we have limited control over deductions. We also believe that God's word promotes wealth building, so we don't believe he leads us into poverty, which is what might happen if we tithe on the gross. What we have really learned over the years is that it doesn't really matter. The point is not the dollar amount. The point is being faithful in your tithe. Commit to giving the first handful of money you receive, whatever that percentage comes out to be. When we first created our budget and made tithing that first line item, We were in so much debt that our percentage was not even close to what we felt led to give. This calendar year, four years after taking Financial Peace University, we are finally able to tithe at the level we had been reaching for.
1: There is an interesting thing about Proverbs 3.9 that we have felt tremendously in our own lives. The scripture calls us to give the first fruits of our crops with the promise of new wine. Those of you who have known us for a while know how much we like our wine, but really, Uh, Really take notice, the scripture doesn't say you will have more crops because of the crops you gave. It just gives a general promise of overflowing your barn. This is because it's not a dollar transaction with God. It's a faith transaction. By tithing, you are telling God, thank you for these provisions. Here is the piece back that you asked for, and I will be a good steward with the rest. You are showing God that you know how to take care of his resources, and in return, he provides you you with more resources, but they will not always be in the same currency.
0: Once we got serious and faithful with our tithes, something incredible happened. We started to receive a lot of hand-me-down clothes for the kids. Not just a few outfits here and there, but dozens of bins of clothes in amazing condition, and all sizes, from a family we have never met. We don't have a barn, but our basement is just about overflowing with these clothes. The only clothing items we have bought our kids all this year was Christmas jammies, and they didn't even really need those, but it sure made Grandma happy.
1: Being intentional with giving your first fruits to your church has amazing impacts on your life. Proverbs gives us the promise of God trusting and blessing us with even more resources, but there are other related things that happen when you tithe. One is, you feel really good, but it didn't feel really good at first. It was scary at first to commit so much of our income to a church before considering our wants and needs. But it, also, it was also scary a few years ago to commit one night a week to a house church. By nature, we are selfish with our time and money, and we don't like to feel like anything is wasted or out of our control. This is why giving it up means so much to God.
0: Proverbs eleven twenty four to 25 says, One person gives freely, yet gains even more. Another withholds unduly, but comes to poverty. A generous person will prosper. Whoever refreshes others will be refreshed. Once again, this doesn't necessarily mean give dollars, get dollars, although that might be the case. When the first, what the first verse does tell us is that we will be provided with what we need when we show faith and trust with our giving. The second verse points out that we share in the blessing we bestow on others. If our giving refreshes them, then we are refreshed. If our giving gives them peace, then we will also be at peace.
1: While well, you inevitably see blessings in your home from being faithful to the tithe, you will see even more blessings in the church. Whenever you make a tithe to New Hope, you are asking God to also invest in this church. You are expressing your support and commitment to its ministries and growing a community of God.
0: I work for the federal government and every year they have a combined federal campaign, which is a way for federal employees to give money to select charities straight from their paychecks. When selecting a charity, most people look for organizations that have low overhead expense rates. This is the rate that tells you how much of your donation goes directly to the mission versus what goes to operating the organization, such as employees' salaries. I enjoy the process of picking a charity each year, but I don't enjoy the stress of wondering where my money is really going. Should I be investing my extra giving for the year in this company? Are they good stewards with the resources they receive? Are they really putting the money towards the mission? Is the mission successful? The beauty of giving to your church is that you don't need to worry about those questions because you can see the answers right in front of you every single week.
1: When we lived close enough to come to New Hope regularly, we were able to see that our tithe went directly to wonderful things happening around the church. And I'm not just talking about the coffee and donuts.
0: Although that was my favorite part for a while.
1: I saw the community that God was building with the resources we contributed.
0: I saw the curriculum the church was able to teach the children, the mission trips and retreats the middle and high school kids were able to take, the support of food pantries and crisis centers. The evidence of New Hope stewardship with this congregation's tithes and offerings is all around us. God does some amazing things through the local church with anything we can contribute. For me, that's when giving my first fruits feels the best, when I can see the amazing things the resources are used for. These walls and pews hold some of the most important people and memories that have blessed our marriage, and it feels so good to be able to be here and in spirit through giving to support this church.
1: Finances touch nearly everything we do in life. It's our job, our home, where we go for a vacation, what we wear, what we eat, and what we share with others. If we put God solidly into our finances, we in turn add God into everything we do. This is the legacy we want to live for our children. Hey Hunter, debt is bad, cash is queen. because who's king?
0: God. Treating our financial journey and our faith journey as one and the same has had a profound impact on how we run our household and make decisions in our marriage. We are constantly asking if our financial decisions are in line with scripture and try to see our choices through Jesus' eyes.
1: Proverbs teaches us to stay away from debt, to actively plan our household finances, and give our first fruits back to God. Striving to live in the wisdom of Proverbs feels great and can have such blessings in a marriage. But this is not the Hickok's plan. This is God's plan.
0: We don't always get it right, but we try so hard to surrender to God's plan for us.